All right, man. Welcome to the introduction for episode 106 of Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast. Uh, this this time around, we're going to take sub questions, as promised last time. For me, these are some of the most interesting episodes. You really get to see what's on the mind of the people out there in the world, what they're thinking about. But what's really interesting is if you listen to this episode, 106, and compare the questions and things being said by the community to the first time we did this, you'll notice a huge difference. I do. And for that reason alone, uh, we see growth, and these are some of the most interesting episodes for me. But Jason and I are going to come back strong again next week, and we're going to cover gaming, of all things. After all, so few people... Uh, realize that even the names of the gaming platforms have a tale to tell. As an example, so many people ask, why did the Xbox 360 go to Xbox One? Um, And that's a simple thing. 360, reduced in basic numerology, comes to 9. The next would be the completion number of 1. That is why the 360 went to Xbox One. Anyhow, this is a really, really good episode. Uh, The second hour, we cover a lot of things we just can't do anymore in the first hour because of censorship and the modern-day book burning. Anyhow, hope to see you all over at crow777radio.com. Let's jump in with Jason and the questions from subscribers. Cheers. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio Podcast. This is episode 106, which I believe reduces to seven. Jason Lingren is with me, and as promised, we will be covering subscriber-based questions submitted on the tail of the last episode. Welcome, Jason. Good morning from lovely 79 degrees Baton Rouge. Yeah, believe it or not, we're at 80 degrees. I'm actually beating you out all of a sudden here. Uh, We went straight from cold to this. Well, that never happens. No, um, but it's nice to see uh, the wildlife all coming to bear and everything starting to bloom. You got some actual green going on up there now? Well, the trees are trying to catch up. There's not many leaves on the trees, but everything else is growing gangbusters. <laughs> all right, man. Um, what do we have for the intro here? First off, uh, I did a show with Billy Ray Valentine on TFR. And uh, it was a very popular episode. It was on 5G again. um, And they even talk a little bit about uh, uh, what's going on in New York. I guess two mysterious towers have shown up and people are trying to determine what they are. And they're basically being told by the powers that be, tough luck, too bad, don't ask us anything. This is Homeland Security nonsense and everybody knows it's relating to 5G. Also, uh, the transcripts, I'm finally starting to catch up. The person who transcribes has been busting out so quick, I can't keep up. It takes me a while to get through them because after they're transcribed, which is no easy task, 40 to 50 pages per episode, something like that, I go back through them to try to catch anything because we talk about so many things that are not standard words for someone to transcribe. So I try to catch any of that. Um, takes me a while to get them up. I think right now we are back to episode 28 all the way up through 105. Jason, you got anything? We got a rough cut of the trailer in the works, so we'll be able to release that really soon, as soon as we get a little more footage to edit in, but it looks like it's coming together really nice. Right, so I did see the rough cut, um, and I still need to get you more files, which we will do in an offhand way here before long. Also, I guess we should talk about um, the traffic on the website, crow777radio.com, has become erratic, and what we are gathering is that depending on the topics we cover, uh, it depends on how the search returns treat us and how people who are trying to hit the site are treated. I will state for the record, if you ever see a page that says crow777radio.com is not a 
safe site. It is ridiculous. I have a secure socket layer and I collect zero data from anyone. The idea that there's anything dangerous about the site is just ludicrous. And if you ever see that, you should understand what's going on as people are trying to censor what is being said. When we did the medical cannabis uh, episode last time, out of the gate, we were as strong as we've ever been, and within a day, it had fallen off to nothing. These are not normal things, and as I look back through my YouTube channel stats, I can see exactly what's going on. So suffice it to say, if you're interested in the content, don't let Google or any other purveyor to try to tell you the site doesn't exist or it's dangerous or all the nonsense that goes on. Anyhow, you got anything else, Jason? Well, I think it's safe to say that Google does what it can to skew search results even just based off of the the research that I try and do, and I keep leaning more and more away from Google for that very reason. On on the tail when when YouTube shut me down, when they shut down my channel and told me it was gone for good, the day before they did that, we're when you search Crow Triple Seven, I think it was roughly sixteen million or something returns from all those years of people posting the content everywhere and blogs and everywhere under the sun. The day after, it was, I think it was down for something like three weeks. I've forgotten now, but the day after the site came back, there were six thousand returns. So down from sixteen million to six thousand. Now all these months later, uh, since the channel's been reinstated, I think we get about fifty to 60,000, but this is not constant. Depending on what part of the world you are, I have computer friends all over the world, um, and they do searches, and it is completely dependent on geography now. In some places, there are next to no returns. Some places do a little bit better than the United States. Also, in many other countries, if you do a search for Lunar Wave, you can get up into the millions of returns. The minute you put Crow 777 on the end of Lunar Wave, it drops down to about 25,000. So you can see the game that's being played here, Jason. Yeah, it's not that things aren't coming up. They're just not coming up the way they should. And it really does vary by location as well. I've heard people say, oh, it's coming up fine here and here and here and here, but you're not getting it. It gets skewed at different times in different locations. Well, you can see the power of a search engine to remove something from the internet. Doesn't The content doesn't need to be removed at all. It just needs to be not search returned. Uh, so when people search for it, they're never given that in a search return. In essence, the, the result of that is basically removing the content from the internet. Um, the only way people could know is to be linked by another person who's seen it. Um, so you can see the power of what's going on here. Anyhow, Jason, uh, we've got a number of questions to get through from subscribers. We do these shows from time to time. Can you think of anything else we need to cover before we jump in? Out of sheer curiosity, just to get this out there for the first free hour, how many people do you think have heard of Crow 777 and the Lunar Wave at this point, judging by the Google Analytics things that you have done? Before they took me out, uh, everything was in multiple millions of returns, and that implies a boatload of people around the world had seen. But another thing that's going on is we're seeing the secularization, um, what I will call the secularization of search returns. In other words, if I look at the stats for my website, <clears throat> predominantly Great Britain, Canada and the United States are the main traffic sources. And this tells you something. And we do get a lot of people from the .de, from Germanic places, um, from Scandinavian places, but the numbers are much, much lower. And what you find is people that really sit down at a search engine and dig in um, can find some things. Other people who do a cursory search, they're not being presented with this material. And we also get a different picture when, you know, so many people are looking at a video on YouTube and all the suggestions that come next to it. When I use YouTube, you know what my suggestions are? My own videos. Almost 100%. 
occasionally they throw in someone else's video. I'm not even kidding you. So you can see what's going on. But if we were to logically look at what it means to get 16 million returns uh, the day before they shut me down, that means there are 16 million different sources for a search return out there that were holding Crow 777. So that means quite a lot of people were exposed to the material. And there you have it, folks. I just wanted to get that out there because he and I have had this discussion before. Yeah, um, it's a it's a one sided show. You know, very few people control what's happening. And, you know, another big part of it is if you go to some of the other search engines that are uh, a little less considered to be a little less controlled, what you find is they're slower. They they're not as good. They don't have the money backing them. They don't give you as much. Uh, returns, but the returns they do give you are a lot less skewed, to be honest about it. Um, So yeah, it's a one-sided game out there, and what it comes down to is the people who own the search engines control the internet, period. That's that. All right, on to questions. All right, man, it's all you. Let's jump into 106, subscriber-based questions. First question is from Rastetter. Several weeks back, you mentioned doing a show on population. I would love to hear the two of you dig deep into this topic, the timeline, and what we are told the population is. Just don't add up. (laughs) You're telling me. um, There is actually a few things online called population calculators, which so many people have used. And what's funny is is they use the biblical narrative, um, and they take it from that point forward, or what would be year zero, um, and they use a standard calculation to show that at this point there would be many, many more people than is even claimed now. Yeah, there's an absolute problem with population. And along, not too long ago, I was of a mind that probably the population didn't fluctuate that much. But having read a lot of old natural science manuscripts, um, what I'm seeing in those is that as the ability of a human race evolves in their ability to use resources, make food, these types of things, uh, the ability for their population goes up. So yeah, we're going to have to dig in this to uh, to take it further down the road. You want to add anything, Jason? Well, we have to look at the fact that goodness only knows who's giving accurate data from country to country, and also the terrible wars that we've experienced. Who knows if that data has been accurately represented in the number of losses. So it's, it's an uphill battle to, to get accurate data all across the spectrum here. Yeah, well, it's kind of crazy. When we did the... Uh, I don't even remember what episode where we were showing that each major religion had been lined off to an aspect of nature, which in the alchemical ideas would be referred to as a planet or something like that. Almost all the historical accounts of, say, Israel, they're sixes, and that has to do with Saturn. Um, So it's hard to know how much accurate information. We may dig in and do a show on this at some point and try to get some kind of a level foundation to work from. But it's more than just people, too. I mean, we would have to consider, like— You know, how many, what about the blue jay population in the world or, you know, deers, these kinds of ideas. Um, It's a complicated thing to go at, but probably at the base of it, we would use human beings as the basis. Right. And one thing I can definitely contribute to this, if anyone out there has not actually traveled say, across the United States, there is a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> That's one thing that always got me as I began to think about this. If it, Like so many times in my life, I've gone from San Diego uh, to the state of Rhode Island. It's roughly 3,000 miles. You couldn't really get much further apart on the United States map. But if you do it in a plane, you know, what, 89, 90-something percent of the time, you are over unpopulated areas. Um, and so when you start to look at what's gone on, 
I think the the truth of it is that a cursory glance is that most people have gravitated towards cities, um, and that leaves a heck of a lot of open space in this world. But anyhow, again, to get some kind of a foundational idea of what's going on, we would have to set aside a full week to do the work. And one more statistic to throw out there, if I'm remembering this correctly. In the first half of the 20th century, you saw a shift with us being 30% city, 70% agrarian, and then as the... uh, decades went on, that that statistic flipped. And it's probably even less now, if I had to guess uh, correctly. Well, to exert control, you really kind of do need the city mindset, right? You can't have people out there farming and and being agrarian. Those people are far less controller. They're making their own food. Their food is healthy, these types of ideas. So yeah, uh, as control is exerted everywhere in this world that it can be exerted, you're going to see the push for modernization, technicalization, and uh, citification, if such a word exists, which I'm pretty sure it doesn't. I think we get the definition now, and it makes a heck of a lot of sense. they got to keep us herded into smaller areas so they can really have the most capability for control. Well, not only that, when when you cityfy people, um, what they lose over a very short period of time is how to take care of themselves out in what we call nature. How do you grow your own food? How do you stay alive? How do you shelter yourself in the winter? These types of ideas fall by the wayside in a very short period of time. I mean, after all, we can even see it in the animal kingdom. We're told that if you take a domesticated pig that was once wild and put them out in the wild, within a generation, they have tusks again. So you can see, you know, it's the reverse of that idea. And once you get a population of people that are wholly dependent on grocery stores and these types of things, man, I guess it's not an easy thing to reverse. And this is this is the push that we see. This is where technology brings us, basically. I agree. All right. Next question is from Gareth. Crow, loving the show. I was shocked by the Mandela effect. I appreciate it's my subjective view of what is supposed to be an objective world. I've experienced changes in physical items, and it was not all media or internet-based. I don't subscribe to the view that anything other than mind is doing this, but rather us living in a consensual reality. Can you touch on whether you think this is real, and whether any ancient texts have touched upon this? Appreciate that you may not have a position on this, so feel free to discard this question. Thanks, Crow and Jason. Cheers. So it's well stated, and I agree with what you say in the middle there. Um, And, you know, we've covered this a lot of times. The old texts, which I agree with wholeheartedly because I've tested, say that mind precedes all reality. So I think your assumption is correct here. It's a bit like black holes, right? If um, 100 million people in the world believe there's black holes, then on some level they exist, even though we know it violates the first rule of thermodynamics and is nonsense. Um, These kind of ideas come to play. But the Mandela effect is a tricky one. most of the Mandela effect. Let, let me first say that I believe it's a thing, but I do not accept that there are human beings in this world that can change the nature of reality. And I did that by logical deduction because I, Jason and I have not yet taken on the Mandela effect. And until we do, again, uh, we lack that seven solid days of looking into things. But Recently, I was on, uh, where was it, Sage Equay with Mike, and he was bringing up the whole Kirk Douglas thing, how he remembered Kirk Douglas dying, and then later he wasn't. And so I just broke it down to its basic component parts to try to think about it as simply as we can. I asked Mike, you know, where did you get the information that Kirk Douglas died? He said, the media. I said, where did you get the information that Kirk Douglas was still alive later? He said, the media. 
And so I pointed out that's a little bit like the magicians on the stage in Vegas, right? The white tiger flies across the, the stage and, you know, a third of the people are amazed. They just saw magic. A third of the people are sitting there thinking, you know, that's a clever trick. And another third of the people are sitting there going, how the hell did that just happen? Maybe it's a bit like that when we all, in fact, know white tigers don't fly if you have a at all an adult common sense mind. So... Part of my problem with this is uh, one of the things I noticed was when they started bringing up the whole C-3PO thing, having a different, I guess it's what, a silver leg? Yes. I didn't remember that at all. And I think I even, I had family members that worked in movie theaters and I had one of the early Star Wars posters. Too bad I didn't keep it. It's probably worth a fortune now, but I'm reasonably sure there was no silver leg there. And I briefly looked, I don't know the name of the movie. It's the one with the little teddy bear guys. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, okay, so Return of the Jedi uh, to look to see if the silver leg was in the movie. But what I did notice is they were really masking the view. They were doing the quick cuts. They were putting them behind bushes. Um, So there's something to it. But for my money, logically, if we do this, I think we get at least a foundation to start from. If anyone could achieve time travel or physically change reality, it would be game over. Why would Jason and I even need to speak? There would be no way for us to combat this. After all, they could just go through time till they get what they want or change reality to the point where, you know, there's nothing that can be done anymore. So I think if we work from that foundation forward, uh, we'll get where we get. But again, you know, it, it will take a full week of research to try to add more. What, what would you say, Jason? Well, I've certainly looked into it because I find it very interesting. And there are a lot of things that seem to challenge my memories. And my memory, is, as you know, Crow, is actually pretty damned good. It is. And there are definitely things I'll see come up. I'm like, wait, well, that doesn't look right. That's not what's in my mind. But I, I accept the fact that I'm a fallible human, and maybe I'm just misremembering things. However, that being said, and I think we've discussed this already on the show, the one that got me to prove to me there's something to this was the Moonraker clip. The girl at the end with Jaws no longer has braces, and I'd bet very good money when I saw that in the theater with my dad. She had braces because that was the joke. Jaws had the big metal teeth, and she had big old braces. She no longer has braces. That's a thing. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things like this, and you know, for for a lot of them, we can break it down where the information come from. Media, you know, you and I have kind of shown two overarching corporations own almost all media, um, but. I'll add this. I've, I've thought there might be an interesting idea here to go at with regard to the Mandela effect, which is the alchemical idea of transmutation. Transmutation from the natural sciences, alchemical point of view, is that the elements on the periodic table, while they're not right, um, they're not distinctly different things. They're just vibrating at different rates and different electro and different magnetic components to them, making them appear, giving the appearance that they are different. Well, science never accepted modern day science, uh, the 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 predecessor or the uh, you know the thing that came after alchemy, uh, chemistry and science never accepted um, transmutation until recently. They bombarded with what they're calling a radioactive barrage. Uh, I forget what the element was, but they turned it into gold, which is in fact transmutation as it is described, one element into another. Um, so there may be something, because uh, we, we've shown over and over again that alchemy is being misused to to do the takeover of planet or world here. Um, so maybe there's something to that. But I, again, we'll, we'll just have to go at it, Jason. All right. Next question is from Andrew. Have you seen the STS-75 tether incident footage from 1996 
I remember seeing a very long documentary on VHS with a guy who had apparently intercepted the transmission. It's really amazing footage. The more I read, I'm convinced that nothing gets out of low Earth orbit, but I'd like to know your view on this particular footage. Yeah, nothing gets out of low Earth orbit, man. And, you know, who's the source? It's it's the simple common sense breakdown again. How do we do these things? We break them down to the simplest common denominator. Who is the source of this information? Well, it's NASA. Well, what do we know about NASA? I don't think I need to answer this. But even when you go at the different versions of the video, I mean, when I first got my telescope, there was another supposed tether incident where it was like miles and miles and miles long, and it looked like a spaghetti strand kind of idea. When you go look up the STS-75 incident, some of them show the tether being perfectly straight, but it's surrounded. But you know what it looks like? It looks like when you look through a microscope at pond water, and there's all these little things in the water. Of course, with NASA, it's, of course, going to be played off as ufos um this is all stagecraft in my view where are you coming from jason well it certainly looks very interesting but again when you consider the source you just have to challenge the validity yeah i mean that that's always the problem if you know a person in your life who lies to you all the time do you trust things they say to you and the answer is for a common sense person no you just don't and nasa is that person they've been shown time and time and time again to not be telling the truth and to, to be blunt about it a lot of those lies are immense some of the biggest lies ever told in this world like the moon landing but there's all that all right question number four from thunder an episode on the Mandela effect would be thought-provoking. You think Crow might do a better job of combining these things, right? <laughs> um, well, Thunder, we'll cut to the chase here. Um, I'm sure that we'll, Jason and I will go at it at some point in the future. Thunder, if you are not aware, there is a channel that I personally will look at from time to time called Moneybags73. I believe he's the same age as me and seems to really do a good job of challenging everything with Mandela-ish, and he's always looking for new stuff. And now I don't necessarily have the same memories as this gentleman, but definitely some of the older, bigger things that he's pointed out, because he's been doing it for a while, definitely makes me scratch my head and go, you know, you might be right. I think I remember that differently, too. So check him out, Moneybag73. Not bad channel at all. Number five from Charlenoir. Crow, amazing shows as per usual. First, if you had a chance to describe our world, what would it be? Specifically, how would you describe the model of our universe? You want to take that first before I get to the second part? Sure. Um, this is really a loaded question, particularly in the time we're living now where so many people are fighting amongst each other about the whole round flat idea. Um, you know, what's interesting is I've been going back through some very old texts, um, even getting my hands on things like Manilius, which is supposed to be some of the oldest astrological things in print, hard to tell when they may have came into existence, but even in that, he's looking back at supposed people like Ptolemy, which are even further back behind him. But as we come away from the people who built on those ideas um, into the alchemical uh, things, even in books like The Light of Egypt, which I know a lot of my followers have taken a look at, um, there will be flat-out statements that say everything we just said will work on a globe or a plane. Um, and I think that's a very telling thing to include in a text that's pre-1800s in some cases. Um, I always describe it as this. I think the most accurate I can do is that our mind precedes all reality and that if you take the T off the word planet, that's the way I view it. We're living on a plane. Um, people should go look at the Mikkel Mickelson-Morley ex experiments uh, where they took light and they split a beam of light and shot one half 
towards the direction the Earth was supposedly spinning, and the other half, the direction the Earth had just spun, and they could not measure any movement, and they further proved that there was an ether, which actually they didn't prove anything. This has been known since the beginning of time. Uh, as long as people have done any kind of science, there has been an ether because everything has to propagate through something. This is why we got Mr. Einstein. Uh, he stepped on the stage and said, guess what? There's no ether. Never showed an experiment, never did anything but the dictate. So you can see what's happening here. But to cut to the chase so we can get to your rest of your question here, um, in my view, we live on a plane of existence. And I know that's not very specific, but that's what I'll do for now. And it's hard to be specific because the easiest thing to say that's accurate is that we find inconsistencies with the models that are presented. Since we cannot easily, anyway, get up high enough to prove anything, there's no point in joining a group. You cannot completely 100% prove anything. But we can challenge what we see and just keep chipping away at it until we can get better data. Well, for anyone who's really interested in, in the basics of the ideas, they can go out to somewhere where there's a good long expanse of water, maybe 10 miles or better, um, and do the site measurement. See if you can see further than you're supposed to. I did it, and I could, um, and that tells you a heck of a lot. Anyhow, Jason. All right, second question. You also never go into the spiritual side of knowledge. I'd be interested to hear this area of discussion that practically everyone avoids. Very hard to go down this rabbit hole. Maybe worthy of a show down the road? Thanks for all that you and Jason do. I'm looking forward to the movie as well. Exciting times. Martin, a.k.a. Charlenoir. Most of the time when we start talking about spirituality, the average ear will hear it as what religion you are. And unfortunately, so many people have been so thoroughly trained into their religion that a lot of minds will close and it will start a fight. And I'm not interested in starting fights. This is what I will say for myself, um, the path that I have come and the things that I choose to accept are helpful. I can learn something from almost any person or culture that has ever been in this world. That's how I view it. The older, the better for my book, because those people are closer to nature. And as I have said so many times in this podcast, there is no lie in what we call nature, regardless of whether it got here in the way we think it did or not. When I learn something from a chipmunk or a bird or a tree, there's no lie there. I can bank it. I don't even have to be suspicious of whether there is falsehood in it. Having said that, if I could go to Australia and learn something from original Aboriginal tribes, I would be all over that. If I could hit a rainforest, if I could go to Spain, if I could go to the Basque region, if I could go to the middle of Syria, because that too is a very ancient culture, which most of us here in the West conveniently forget after we watch too much CNN and Fox News, um, you can learn something from any culture. That's the way I view it. So my spiritual side is that I don't claim anything. I am a very spiritual person, but I can learn from everywhere. In other words, it's almost like saying the world is my church. Jason? Yeah, I like the sound of that. I don't subscribe to any particular religious faith, but I have had numerous spiritual experiences going all the way back into my childhood, so I know that there's something to it. But my honest answer is I have never seen or experienced anything, and I have experienced quite a few things, that convinces me anyone on the earth has got the exact answer is correct in a, a religious belief. If I'm not mistaken, Jason, in the second hour, someone asked specifically you, specifically about spiritual experience. So I think that's coming in the second hour. Well, we'll see when we get there. Next up, we have Ryan. Hello. When I look at any of the so-called planets through a telescope as an amateur, there appears to be flicker rate similar to that of a television. What would account for that? 
Also, you never see a 3D perspective to these so-called planets, just two-dimensional. Well, there's a few things going on here. Um, I haven't seen the flicker rate, so the first thing we've got to ask, are you using an eyepiece or are you viewing off a monitor? If you're viewing off a monitor, it's not valid to consider a flicker rate because you've introduced technology. If you're using an eyepiece, there's nothing mechanical. You're just getting refracted light or bounced light or mirrored light. Um, I agree with you that there is no 3D out, 3D-ness to it, but you've also got to consider that uh, you're using one eye you're not using binocular vision, and they do have eyepiece holders that will give you a binocular view. I have used them on the, on the moon. Um, it's a little tricky at high magnification to get both your eyes focused in, but you do get a little more sense of 3D. Here's what I can tell you. In my view, I think the old texts are absolutely telling us the truth. We're in a 3D material reality. All of our reality is preceded by mind. When we look up at the night sky, we're seeing an illusion of sorts. Not that it's fake, not that it's some technological wonder that you know the CIA made. I don't accept these things. Um, it's a bit like looking through a kaleidoscope. When you look through a kaleidoscope, the kaleidoscope itself is not fake. The little beads of colored glass are not fake, but the image you're getting is illusory, and that's how I view the so-called planets and other things. And for my money, the oldest accounts of what's going on above our heads are the closest to reality, um, in my view. Things like the Rubiat by Omar Khayyam, there's a jump to the, to the Arab nations back in the day, way back in the day, um, and you will find these alchemists and others who are describing what's going on above our, hand, uh, above our head, and these are the most acceptable of all things I've read. Um, and one of the things he says, we will include in the movie Shoot the Moon, and this inverted bowl we call the sky, crawling under which cooped we live and die. Lift not your hands to it, for it goes forth as impotently as you or I. Something to that effect, opening with the idea of the inverted bowl that we call the sky. I have witnessed it myself once since I have been in the state of Rhode Island. It was a perfect night with the Milky Way arcing from the north to the south, and I could actually see what it was historically called the arc of the sky. So there's all that, man. I'm just going to sum it up by saying we see inconsistencies. And again, since we can't get out there ourselves or get access to massive telescopes that could probably give us much better data, we just have to accept the fact that uh, there's more to be learned. There is always more to be learned. All right, next up, Korean shape. Will you and Jason do a show in the future on the English language, a words have meaning show? I have heard that it was created on purpose to be the New World Order Universal Genderless Language. I use your saying all the time to the people around me. I tell them a bit of knowledge and then always end it with, words have meaning. I have noticed it makes them stop and think as a first response rather than immediate dismissal. I think breaking down the English language and fully understanding the actual meaning of words is one of the keys to decode our current reality. Yeah, um, everything you say here, I'm with you. Um, I think that we have done so many shows that have referenced the English language that what we've actually done is pointed out to people, you have the power. Go find the etymology of a word. Look up an old dictionary. Do not use modern online dictionaries. Um, grab dictionaries from like the 50s or before if you can. Um, look up the root of the word. Look up the language of the word. Do the etymology, which you can do online. Um, if you do these things, you come to understand something about the meaning of words. But it's pretty clear at this point that when you go to a place like China, there's two sets of signs. 
one of them in typical Chinese characters and the other one's in English. You step into the Middle East, these days there's two sets of signs. This is going on all over the world. This is part of the takeover. And for my money, I would bet my bottom dollar that the English language was created to do what it is doing. Uh, it lacks, most of the English language lacks any cultural context. It's been borrowed from hither and yon. There is German, there is Spanish, there is Latin-based languages, there is even Yiddish. There are any number of borrowed ideas and words from other places to put to cobble together what we call the English language. And to top it off, English is now the language of the internet, where it has been just bastardized beyond belief, where we don't even bother to say words like, we'll be right back. We say BRB or the ridiculous LOL, which I have never written in my life and will never write in my life, or OMG. You see where this goes. But anyhow, what would you add, Jason? Doing a show on the English language would definitely be very interesting. I think it would take a lot of research. If you're looking for something now, I can highly recommend my friend Colin Smith, who goes under Lifting the Veil. Uh, you can find him on Facebook and videos all over the place. He does etymology breakdowns all the time. Really good stuff. Looking at the tenor of this question, um, I would maybe add also a lot of people use blacks legal dictionary um, to understand how the language is being misused to enforce the idea of the corrupted laws that we have, which are built around the straw man identity most of us get at birth. So that's another way to go at language. You'd be surprised, you know, look up word like human and other things uh, in Black's legal terms. Because, human being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, if you ever step in court, well, it sounds like they're speaking English. They're really not. They're speaking a version of English, which many people refer to as legalese, which is basically just an underhanded way to communicate so that the average person never understands what being said. Anyhow, Jason. Next up, we have Rachel. In 2011, astronomers from the Minnesota Planetarium Society found that because of the moon's gravitational pull, the alignment of the stars has shifted, making the astrological signs of the western zodiac move back approximately one month. Do you think this is a true statement? Also, it has been said there is a 13th house named Ophiuchus. Have you heard of this? In your opinion, what is the connection between astronomy and astrology? Thanks for the great shows, Crow and Jason. All right, so there's a breakdown here, Jason. Let me take these one at a time. Uh, the first part's complete poppycock. I don't accept the idea of gravitation or the Copernican or any of the other spinning models of anything. And the idea that all of a sudden, after all these billions of years of having a moon, this went on is laughable in my view. But it's all playing into the same idea, if I read your correct, uh, question correctly here. Yes, there is a zodiac sign called Ophiuchus. He is the snake bearer. Uh, he is a winter sign and here's the problem you know they go back and forth on this for the simple reason that if people understand the sky clock um, they will start to get back to natural sciences because the sky clock is everything in the natural world um, it is the only true passage or measure of time that we will ever have here um, that we've moved so far away from that Ophiuchus to be a zodiac sign logically on the face of it doesn't work regardless of whatever may have been in history and here's why because with 12 signs each one needs to take up 30 degrees of space. If that's not true, there's not a clean division, and that renders the idea that there is a sign representing a certain period of time on a clock face 
um, unusable. So you can see what goes on here. The average person doesn't understand anything about the sky. So to introduce these more confusing ideas gives them the mystery, the mind hook. So it pulls them further away from reality. Um, I can show outright that the zodiac that we have has been changed. Um, at one point, the balances in Libra, the sign that's around where we used to have a fall equinox, we don't have equinoxes in, in the normal way anymore, um, were the were the uh claws on the scorpion. I can further show that it was also changed that way back in time, at a different spiritual time, the scorpion was not a negative scorpion. It was a lofty eagle or a hawk. This is encoded into the biblical ideas. Anyone can go see that the four typical gospel saints are represented by a bull, a man, an eagle, and a lion, I think it is. And these are also cardinal stars. There has never been a time when the sky clock has not been in use. But to cut to the chase here, the idea that one day the moon got more gravity and messed things up is laughable. And the idea that, uh, that there's a 13th zodiac simply doesn't work because there has to be an equal division of the sky because the sky is a clock. And that would be a bit like saying we have 1 through 12 on our clock face. Guess what? We just found there was a 13. So you can look at it that way. Difference between astronomy and astrology? Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. The difference between astronomy and astrology is the difference between alchemy and chemistry. Okay. If you go back to alchemy, you're looking at a natural science that does things within the natural world. It fabricates nothing. It does not come up with theories. It does or it doesn't. And the things that do become usable and known. And it's not a theory. It is a fact. Um, these are the old ideas. When you come up to astronomy or science, modern science, what you're doing is you're falling into the same thing. Let's let's use an example like where the guy who made medicines in the old alchemy way, he would basically engage in three things. He would take a natural thing out of nature and he would break it apart, then he would purify it, then he would do the alchemical marriage to recombine it. The idea was is that nature functions in a perfect way, but nothing on its own in nature is perfect without the hand of man who is imbued by the grand creator of this place with the ability to perfect things. That is the second principle where you can correspond unseeable energies into your medicine and perfect them. When you come up to modern day chemistry, which came out of alchemy, they only do one of those steps for the most part. Uh, the pharmaceutical companies making their medicine, they do the breaking apart and they throw out all the rest, almost always. So in my view, um, if you want to look at astrology, there's actually more there to learn. The problem is, is it's been so corrupted and so made fun of, it's hard for a person to understand where a worthwhile endeavor is. There are many people out there saying many different things, and until you go to the oldest texts and use common sense and truly study it, it's difficult to know where to start to learn. This is where the whole scientism thing really can be very obvious if you think about it. Astrology for hundreds of years, probably longer than that, was one of the main sciences, if you will. Once we get into the more current era and you have all of this quote-unquote hard data going on and these celebrity scientists taking over everything, astrology is shunted off to the side and called new agey nonsense and only what these people, Neil deGrasse Tyson looking at you, only what they say is gospel and that's that. So there's your big division between astrology and astronomy, but astrology actually more accurately represents our sky clock so that we can get real hard data. Yeah, you know, you could almost view it as this, Jason, and don't get me wrong, it's great to have a refrigerator so my food doesn't rot. Science made that. 
great to have a car so I can drive to San Diego. Science made that. Um, but here's my point. What science basically did was begin to pull people away from nature. And in many ways, up in the modern age, it's trying to replace it. And the people who are in charge of funding where scientific endeavors happen appear to be trying to become gods of this place. Since they cannot be gods of nature, they're using science to make an artificial world, which they can be gods of. They can be in total control of that. Uh, when all currency goes across the internet, when everything is digital, they can, in fact, be the gods of that system. And that's what we see. This is kind of the Luciferian mindset. For my lifetime, I find the most value and importance in nature these these days. And so for me, alchemy, astrology, these things will always have something more that I'm more interested in um, than science. What I see in science is mostly negative and to boot, it's complete ultra-materialism. It removes any spirituality from a human being. Science does. There it is. All right. Number nine is from Lolwoot. What is consciousness? Is what's playing out in the world the last centuries a spiritual battle between the satanic principles of e.g. hedonism, hatred of God, and principles such as selflessness, compassion, empathy, morality, and ethics? Technology in that model would convey the energy of selfishness and nature would be the opposite. Well, I think the last sentence there is close to something that I will accept. Um, the top part of your question seems like it might be a little Western religious, so I'll say this. Even the Christian Bible points out that if you want to find God, you look within. There is a reason, and words do have meaning, that either side of your head is called a temple. Never forget it. Um, if you want to see what's played out over the last centuries, and I was going to put into layman's term uh, the, the things you lined up here, I think the last little discussion we just had about alchemy and science pretty much sums it up. Um, in fact, your last sentence is spot on. Uh, nature has no lie on it. La nature is not selfish. Nature does not single anyone out. Nature does what nature does. Science, that's not so. Um, science is driven by the hand of men, and it has no spiritual component in it. So I guess that's what I can add there. I think asking what consciousness is, is uh, probably one of the oldest questions that we can look back to Western culture, for instance, ancient Greece and things like that with the old philosophers that were really trying to figure out without a bunch of distraction like we have today, just really the nature of humankind. What are we? What are we really? What separates us from the beasts of the field? And there is no answer. It comes back to that, I think, therefore, I am concept. We know we exist because we are self-identifying. But beyond that, man, your guess is as good as mine. Well, there, there are, you know, that first little piece of what he asked, um, I, I didn't address, but I can, I can add this. Um, as I said earlier, mind precedes all. Um, I accept that as absolutely factual. There are old texts that will state um, that mind creates this entire place. There are mind, there are old ideas in very old texts that will say things like the only thing that truly exists, the foundation for excuse me, all this is mind. Um, if you chose to accept that, um, then what you would say is consciousness is the foundation for this apparent reality we're experiencing, this, this, this thing of appearances uh, that we currently accept. And the reason I call it appearances is because in my view it is. Um, you know, I just did a blog and I opened it up by saying, today I saw a cloud and a rock 
and I recognized the illusion immediately. And the reason I could recognize the illusion is because in a very short period of time, time that cloud would no longer be. Therefore, it has no reality. Only things that have permanence can have reality. And that rock, even though it will take slower time for the rock to come apart and not be a rock anymore, it has no permanence. And that is the world of appearances we live in, where we assign reality to all these things. If we're to put some kind of stock in the older ideas, uh, I think it would be that mind or consciousness is the foundation for this world of appearances that we, we currently exist in. Next, we have a question from Heather. Have you gentlemen heard about or looked into the Kinsey Institute? From my view, it seems to tie in perfectly with the Tavistock Institute. Dr. Judith Reisman has done some serious work to stop what she calls the Kinsey Syndrome. An entire episode could be done on her work alone. I would appreciate your thoughts on this. Thank you. You know, as I did some of the Tavistock work, um, this was on the outskirts. And while I have never looked directly at the Kinsey Institute, I did get the sense from the Tavistock work that it's a similar thing. Um, you know, so so few people out there understand that in the West, anyhow, we, we don't have any culture. We just don't. Um, and even though this country called the United States was made up by people coming from all these other parts of the world, those people brought culture with him, you know, like, say, the Italian immigrants or the the Irish immigrants or any German immigrants, any of them we could point out, they had culture where they had come from. By the time they'd been here for a few generations, the only culture any of us have at this point, for the most part, uh, is we like some TV shows and we watch some movies, and that is wholly about social programming. Um, Jason, are you any more familiar with the Kinsey Institute? I know we brushed on it when we did Tavistock. Right. Uh, I'm not really well-versed with it, but just to give everyone a quick overview on it, Exploring Love, Sexuality, and Well-Being. In 1948, Dr. Alfred Kinsey changed the world's understanding of human sexuality. Today, Dr. Sue Carter and the Kinsey Institute have a broader mission, investigating the science of love, its connection to sexuality, and their collective impact on our humanity. So, you know, it's a good thing you read that because I think there was actually a modern Hollywood movie made on this on this, and if I'm not mistaken, it was Liam Neeson didn't see it. But this is again uh, science pushing against the older ideas. Um, the older ideas about sex make sex a very spiritual kind of divine thing that is engaged in to make another human being, which is also supposed, also supposed to be a divine thing. So in other words, the natural science ideas of what sex is are going to be wholly opposed to these ideas, um, to put it in a nutshell. All right, next we have a question from Serena. On population, the figure of 7 billion is of course misleading and probably unqualified. In Britain, one billion was measured as one million times one million, a million millions. In America, this was changed to 1,000 million, which is quite a disparity. Taking the British equation on current, given world populations, there would be three billion, assuming that such figures were based on the British equation in the first place. Given that in Britain, only 15% of landmass is occupied. If this 15% applies worldwide, Vast land masses empty of human occupation. As that 15% is concentrated into cities, suburbs, and surrounding country, we are undercrowded, not overpopulated. By those who address this aspect, it has been estimated that the entire world population could fit into Texas, with an acre of land for each man, woman, and child quite comfortably. 
What do you make of all that? I don't buy their statistics on world population. I will say this, Serena, I don't need to add a damn thing. That's one of the best questions I've ever seen submitted, and I appreciate how you went at it. As a matter of fact, we could use what you have written here as a basis if we go at the population question. We could use these as foundational ideas to go at it, but just simply your opening there where you're pointing out there's quite a disparity between a million million and a thousand million. In other words, what Britain calls a billion and what the United States calls a billion, I think you're already starting to show the shell game that's going on. Uh, hell of a hell of a submission there, Serena. Yeah, well done. I actually have never heard that before. And if that's true, well, which system are they going off of? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, man. You got to keep the ground on level. You got to keep the children off balance, don't you? And this is an easy way to do it, isn't it? Giving billion multiple meanings. It's like legal language, right? You think you know the meaning of a word until you get in front of a judge and you realize, wait a minute, that word means something totally different. It's just like the calendars, too. Are you going off the Gregorian that they shove on us or the Julian calendar like the royal family still uses? Exactly. Exactly that. To totally just screw up reality in a way um, where it's almost magic. You know, how, how is it that time is such an easy thing to screw with? Um, none of us have any semblance of time because we quit looking at the sun and moon a long time ago. If we wanted any reality-based existence in this world, we would be watching the sun and moon to gauge our time. But um, if, if the last part of this submission is accurate, and I really just based on what was written here, want to maybe push this up in our in our queue to, to go at the idea of how many people are in the world. If you truly could fit the world's population in Texas, what does that tell you about everything you have been told ever about scarcity, about, you know, all these things? And I mean, it's an interesting thing. Well, I could tell you for a fact that there's tons of nothing in the United States because I frequently have driven all all over the place, really. And you can drive for hours with very little population centers being come upon. There's just hundreds of miles of absolute nothing. I don't know how many times I've driven coast to coast. Um, you know, with my nephew in 2016, we did, I think, I forget, close to 10,000, between eight and 10,000 miles. We went all the way north and then came back all the way south. And I remember telling him, you know, if you drive through the panhandle of Texas, it's quite a drive and we're going below that. So we're going the long way across Texas and it is nothing but open space for the majority of any drive you do across this country. As a matter of fact, you gauge your entire trip by when you will hit the next population center, which is almost always hundreds of miles. So there's all that. And there's also the problem of who knows what the true population is and if it could fit into Texas, because if we don't have an accurate number, we can't say what amount of space you would need to fit them all in comfortably. Well, what cracks me up is, you know, when you get to the state line and they tell you the population, uh, you know, on the next green sign that comes in and you can tell that that sign's been standing there since probably the 80s, it tells you how valid the information is. <laughs> Very good point, because, yes, you can frequently see just uh, how old they are, how, how <laughs> rusted and beat up the signs all are. Yeah. And I mean, come on, for that for that to be accurate, it would need to be updated yearly, I would think. All right, man, that brings the first hour of episode 106 to a close. Um, I'd like to see a lot of you guys come over and become members. We have pushed some of the questions over into the free speech zone so that we can talk about them openly. The censorship online is just as rampant as it ever was, although it appears they're being a little more subtle in the way they're going at it. Um, nonetheless, you know, uh, for all the people out there interested in a true 
conversation. We don't pull punches in the first hour, but we do, in fact, push some things into the second hour because we don't want to have to watch our language in any way, the ideas that we're expressing. Anyhow, at the posting of this episode, there will be 106 free hours of content at crow777radio.com. You do not need to log in. You can just go there, listen to what you want. If you do want to support free speech for the price of a cup of coffee, you can be a member. And then there are full two-hour and two-hour-plus episodes. So there's all that, and I uh, hope to see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.